Let's get it started. Ah. Let's get it started in here. Let's get it started. Ah. Let's get it started in here. Ooh, ooh, ah, ooh, ooh, in here. I wish you could see how hard Sydney is smiling right now. This is this is like a seven-year-old's first time to Disneyland. How hard she is smiling right now. I'm gonna read a verse, so we're gonna talk about some things. This is Song of Solomon, or Song of Songs, depending on your translation. Uh, chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. My dove in the clefts of the rock, in the hiding places on the mountainside, show me your face, let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, our vineyards that are in bloom. So, <clears throat> we, uh, we want to talk about catching the foxes, and this has always been something that I found interesting in the Bible, because it's one of those things where nobody wants to touch the, the book of the Bible called the Song of Songs or the Song of Solomon, because it seems very erotic, but we've been, but a lot of more traditional traditional Christian denominations try to teach it as if it's just an allegory for God's relationship with Israel. Um, if that's true, that is a very sensual and freaky relationship with Israel <laughs> that the Lord has. Yeah. So I'm of the, um, I'm of the opinion that it's, uh, it's more about just straight up freakiness before, between a husband and wife. Um, I don't know. It's an odd book, but anyway, you slice it, Christians getting uncomfortable about sex and uh, specifically pastors, and so uh, a lot of times you don't hear it quoted. But I think that this part of the book of Song of Songs is really, really important because, well, part of it is because when I first heard a sermon about it years ago um, in some marriage series, it made a lot of sense to me to chase the foxes. And, um, you know, you've I'm sure you've heard on some level from married people that... Marriage is work. It just takes work. It's it's like a job that you like. It's like a hobby. It's like a company. It's like a lot of things. Um, if you want to be good at it, it takes work. And if you want to build something great, it takes work. And so um, in some ways, marriage is easy if you love your spouse and your spouse loves you and you guys get along very well. But um, this whole chasing the foxes thing, I like that analogy because having oh here we go are we streaming are we live streaming nope i'm taking a picture okay. why do you talk during the podcast yeah, well, it's natural no, babe it's we're keeping it real no, honey this isn't this isn't nbc okay people know what they're getting here um so it's important because there's a lot of agricultural agricultural references throughout the bible and um there's something to trying to have a garden and let the things that destroy it are destroying your work or destroying what you're trying to build and, and having a garden is the analogy of course for marriage and the foxes are the things that come in and to steal the fruit and kill a vineyard but that's okay okay well that's a little more exotic but anyways the foxes are what come in and destroy the plants and steal the fruit and ruin things and so basically the example of that is things that creep into your marriage things that creep in your marriage that can destroy your marriage in the same way that a fox would destroy a vineyard or any relationship in general. True, true that. Not just marriage. True that. Um, so, Sydney, 
what do you think is an example, not necessarily in our marriage, but maybe something that people could relate to on a broader scale, an example of a fox in somebody's marriage? Well, I think that it's interesting that they say little foxes because I think that a lot of people get hung up on maybe hmm. the big yeah. problems that are so much more huge and in your face. Like if somebody has an addiction of some sort, that might be more huge and in your face, but something small that if you don't watch it can build over time and you know the foxes it's kind of like any vermin in that time even though nowadays we think oh foxes they're so cute <laughs> but in that day it was similar to like a rat or like something that would be vermin and something that would be considered as not good and harmful so and those kind of animals populate very quickly so if the population isn't controlled then it can get out of control and grow to a place that's that's almost too hard to handle so i would say for something small that grows over time i would say it is something like nagging probably from a wife's perspective or from a husband's perspective but a wife's doing i would say more nagging I would say for, from the wife's perspective, something probably more like the husband not listening or... I was going to say laziness on the husband's part. Yeah, not pursuing anymore. Stuff that makes the wife feel like, oh, he's not interested in me or he doesn't care about me or he never listens. And those things can be small, but then if they happen enough times, it becomes these huge walls that get built up in the marriage. Right. And um, that's a good observation that they're little foxes. I never really paid attention to that part of the verse. So points, you get a gold star. Um, well, I did do some reading before this podcast. So. I didn't. I just swiped and looked at motorcycle pictures. Um <laughs> As I often am known to do. Um, One of the little foxes. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Busted. Um, I had an interesting point. A point that was interesting to me, but I forgot what it was, so we're going to move on. Um, Is there another example that you thought of? Or? Oh, well, yeah. I, I think of lots of examples. Um I think that this is broad, but I just resentment. Mm -hmm. And um, when you, I, I observed couples when I was younger, both in my family and near my family, where privately, both the husband or the wife, or either the husband or the wife would be saying things about the other and criticizing privately or criticizing to you know the other group of guys, the other group of girls their spouse. Mm -hmm. Oh, it just so annoys me when they do this. Oh, there they go again doing this. And, um, that's, that's building a root that's, that's bad. And that, that is, you know, allowing this little, this seemingly innocent small thing 
to kind of come around to, to have freedom to roam in a place where it shouldn't. And that is, you know, a negative thought or a critical thought about your spouse. And the more times you say it and repeat it and hold on to it, then every time there's a repeat incident, then it seems to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And then it becomes this insurmountable thing. And now I remember what I was going to say. Uh, we kind of learned in counseling that most marriage problems are communication issues and expectations issues. And I also learned that a lot of the trouble you have with your spouse, oftentimes, it can be dealt with fairly easily in getting better at learning to communicate and to not assume what the other person's thinking um, and all that anger and that bitterness and, and, and that, that can build up can be dealt with rather quickly um, by, by fixing those small things. And so right. I, I think that that's, that's maybe one of the most common examples, which is this unmet expectations or uncommunicated expectations that result in resentment on behalf of one party that's sort of like silent resentment or only you know partially explained uh, resentment and then you just build it up in your mind over years and years and years and I think that's where a lot of couples can get to a place to where they think it's just not salvageable when what they're describing to me is um, isn't in and of itself reason for divorce but because they've let it grow and grow and grow and consume everything in their garden and destroy everything and become this big massive thing animal fox in this in this case um they're just tired of fighting and, and it seems like it's not worth the fight because it seems like this giant thing that could a lot of times i see women sharing with other women because they feel like they want either validation or they want to know they want to know that they're yeah i guess they're upsetness or dissatisfaction is justified and that oh you know it feels good for when you feel upset it feels good for somebody else to go oh my god he did that how dare he or you don't deserve that mm -hmm. or blah 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 and and then it instead of helping to build up your marriage it's further tearing down the mm -hmm. marriage and making things more separated whereas right. if you came to your spouse in the same way that said hey when you said this that really hurt me or I really feel like you weren't listening to me when I told you xyz because you reacted like this and having that conversation with the person that's it that it is involved in I think this goes the same for any relationship that's why it's not good to necessarily vent to other people that aren't involved in the issue because they either end up convincing you not to say anything and that resentment like you said grows or they further validate your unhealthy reaction or your mm -hmm. your false expectation or whatever making you say yeah i am right see he's wrong or she's wrong or whatever it is and you further get up on that kind of high horse of pride and and ultimately resenting your spouse for not seeing or validating your feelings, but you never expressed those feelings in the mm -hmm. first place. So how can they validate them or apologize or anything? Um, another reason we were talking about this is because I, I was talking to Sydney earlier last week. Sydney. Sydney. <laughs> Shows up. I'm trying to th process information and talk at the same time. Uh, well, I usually say Sid. 
And then you just added the knee as an afterthought. Well, we are the Knights of Knee. So anyways, I was... I had two incidents kind of back-to-back in my work where... Um, I, I work oh, yeah, in those guys. Yeah, I work in construction, and I, I basically just bounce from job to job to job, helping people out with things. And so it's like I go on little adventures every day, and I meet a lot of people. And I kind of and I had back to back some incidents where we just ended up on the conversation of marriage, and um, this one guy just vented out all of this stuff where he was telling me he's in the middle of a divorce, and and he was just so devastated about it, and. Um, Kind of devastated, but also sort of numb and almost resigned to just the fact that it's over. But you could tell he was so hurt by that he wished that he had another chance to try to work it out with his wife. But his wife had just completely resigned herself to the fact that it was over. In her mind, it was set in stone. Nothing else you could say it was over. And he, he wanted to try to work on it now. And, and I could hear him saying some of the right things to where... I think that it was the wake-up call when she was ready to actually divorce him, and that's maybe when he began to start processing some of the things that were wrong in the marriage. Unfortunately, it sounds like it was too little too late for them, but I could hear him recognizing and, and, and identifying, of course, um, everything his wife was doing. He was an expert on that. The guys are always an expert on what their ex-wives did wrong, but he was also being honest about some of the things that he was doing to not fulfill his responsibilities as a husband. And, um, I think, and so then I met another guy, you know, a day or two after that, who had been, who was in the, in the middle of his second divorce and he was 36. And so he'd been, yeah. So he'd been through a lot and he was a lot less, uh, conciliatory. Is that the right word? I don't know. He he was a lot less, uh, uh, compassionate towards his former wives, but all that to say that, when they're describing their relationship and how it was, um, like you can sort of hear, if you read between the lines, you can sort of hear the conversations happening. You can imagine the conversations happening in their bedroom, in their kitchen, in their living room, over the phone, whatever, where they let in bad ideas or resentment or frustration or foxes, in this case, I guess they're all foxes, and they let those foxes grow and feed and roam and 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 roam and um, consume everything. Run wild. Run wild. Thank you. And consume everything. And it's tragic, but it's almost like you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. You know, I don't want to say, man, we shouldn't have done this. You know, but but you can see it, and it sort of just reminded me of divorces I've seen in my own family, and and with and even in Sydney's family, and with our with our close family friends. You can almost watch if you've known them for long enough. You can watch. This foxes, you could name them. You could name this one is um, resentment. This one is feeling disrespected and or believing that you're not respected by that person. This one is withholding sex. This one is not talking, not working out conflict in a healthy manner. This one, you know, this one is money issues. This one is drinking. And you can almost name each individual fox as it comes in and you watch it grow and you watch it tear things down and and you watch it consume the different plants. And so, because I just saw these two guys back to back, I said, man, Sydney, we got to talk about divorce. And she said, well, maybe we shouldn't talk about something we haven't experienced. I said, well, yeah, but then we can, I mean, we're planning on never experiencing divorce, but we got to cover the the topic sometime. But we we decided what is something we can talk about and that is dealing with, um, the foxes and so this is more of a a preventative measure do you because i do hear this from women or whether divorced women or 
girls that are just breaking up with their, boy their boyfriends. Mm -hmm. And the man is almost always surprised or taken aback that they're leaving yeah. or that yeah. the whatever. And the woman's like, how though? Because I've literally oh, been... drives me insane crying or yelling at you or telling you all these things that are wrong how do you not understand why i want to leave why i want to get out of this and they're always always surprised don't go mm -hmm. whatever can you give us some insight absolutely <laughs> absolutely oh here we go i'm not going to use our breakup as an example because i feel like that was more abrupt and i i wasn't yeah i wouldn't even call that really that's not a good example of that. No. Okay, yeah, because that was very short lived. So here's here's what I see. It's more like the woman usually gets to the point where they've run through everything in their mind. They've talked to their friends. They've tried to fix it, whatever that means. Tried to make it better, and then they almost get to the point where they're like, nothing he does or says can yeah make it better. That's scary. That's the scary place when done. women get to when they they just click the control alt delete in their brain and shut down because then because that's when the guys begins to have the information that there's a big problem and that's when he's having to start the conversation and so he's so late to the party that you can you can almost never play catch up to process through all of that by that time so it's too late for him the reason guys don't get it is so i'm going to talk about what the guy does wrong and then what the girl does wrong so what the guy does wrong is he's not studying his woman girlfriend wife fiance whatever side chick side chick <laughs> I, don't oh. I don't know let's don't not know. promote the side chick i'm not promoting it. i'm just i'm just identifying okay. some situations well, i'm okay if the side chick <laughs> okay then no. you have other problems no in your love. marriage no love for the side chick um no. so here's what it is the guy is not studying his woman the guy thinks that his woman is just like him, because he all he knows is how he thinks and how he operates and how he engages with the world. And that's in a masculine way. That's usually very binary, yes or no, like, dislike, happy, and sad. That's how he engages with the world. And so it doesn't occur to him that women are such a profoundly different creature that they don't engage in the world the way in a masculine way. And so they don't think to ask ask questions all the time. They don't think to study their woman and and to look for all the subtle things because it's it's work. And I don't think it's that they're not willing to put in the work. I think that nobody told them how to maintain it. It's like uh, it's like if you when people buy really exotic cars because they're cool, but they don't realize how much maintenance the car is, and that it's not just it's not like a Honda Civic where you just jump in and go. It's 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 a different it's a different. Or when people buy a dirt bike and then they don't realize <laughs> how much work it costs. And then they maintain. blow it up, and then I buy it from them for really cheap, and I rebuild it. Um, <laughs> This is not helping our analogy. Uh, although you could make a you could make a rebound boyfriend analogy there. All right, we're getting off topic. So what I'm saying is, guys don't understand how different women operate and how much you have to change your thinking and and read between the lines with her and study her. And it sounds exhausting because it kind of is, but nobody tells guys that that that's how it works because you know either their parents are divorced. Or their parents never really had a super healthy, fun... But know. how do you have to read between the lines when you she's do. freaking out you or say, yelling? Because then you say, what's wrong? And she says, nothing. And you go, huh. I mean, she said nothing. Why would she lie to me? Or she says everything. And then you say, what do you mean? And then she freaks out about a bunch of stuff. And then you kind of talk about it. And then it sort of seems like it's fine. So in his mind, it's like, cool. We solved the problem. 
good. I'm going to go watch, I'm gonna go back to watching football since the thing's dealt with. But I think in those conversations, a lot of times the female is so overwhelmed that she doesn't fully explain. So, so hold on. Before we jump ahead, I'm talking about just the man's side, and then I'll talk about the female side, okay? So to finish the man's side is he's just not used to studying a woman and really digging in and asking a lot of questions, saying, what makes you think like this? What makes you think like that? He's not beginning with the paradigm that women do not operate with the same software as men. And so he's not trying to learn a new language. He's just approaching her like she's a man, and therefore he's missing a ton of a ton of different ways that she's communicating. But he doesn't know better, so he doesn't know until it's too late that he's missing all of these warning signs. And um, men kind of want to just be left alone, honestly, and they kind of want to just have a nice time and do their thing. And they're not trying to look at all the all the con- hey, that's what it is. They're not trying to generally look through all the nuances and special complications of the relationship. They just want it to be nice. They want to hang out. They like you. They want to go on dates with you and eat and have laugh and have sex and just have a good time. That's generally what men want. And that's, that's, that's it. They're happy. They're like dogs. And it's very simple. Just throw the Frisbee. I grab the Frisbee. I bring the Frisbee back. It's a great deal. Keep doing it. Let's, I like that. It's, it's just very simple. And that's how, how men operate. And so it's like, as long as that's still happening, then they're like, cool. I mean, we're pretty much good. I'm having a good time. And, and they don't think to ask these complex questions. Think about how complicated our stupid cats are. So much, right? Okay, so that's my it's estimation. It's like that comedian that talked about guys being dogs and women being cats. Well, she put it the other way. He, he put it the other way around, but I can't do his bit right now. I can't remember. Okay, so that's my estimation of what the, the male does wrong. Here's what the female does wrong. Why do you uh, gotta say female like that? Female. Because um, I'm trying not to rub my face on this weird screen thing in front of our microphone. Okay, well, you said female a little weird. Because I'm thinking, I'm really, like, thinking intensely. Like, how do I say this and not sound rude, but not overstep my boundaries? You're like, let me tell you females what's wrong with you. That's right. what it sounded like. Okay, babe. Well, I'm just doing my best here. So, um, what I think it is, when I've seen this happen, because I've had girlfriends freak out on me and out of nowhere, oh, we just got to break up, and, and it just feels like there's no warning, and I'm blindsided by it. And, of course, I've watched it happen... Um, in female friends near me, and, I, and I'm watching all the things they're processing, uh, and I feel like, man, your poor boyfriend. <laughs> like he's, he has no idea what's coming for him, and he's blissfully unaware, and the girl's just you know, going through all these things in her head, and what about this, and what about that, and what about this? I think what it is, is number one, women think that they're signaling, and that it's clear, and it's not. It's super duper 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 not clear when you think that certain behaviors should be a type of signal to a man to say, hey, something's wrong here. Do you know how you signal to a man that something's wrong here? You know how, what he's expecting to hear from you? He's expecting for you to look at him and say, honey, something's wrong in our relationship, and I want to talk about it, and I want to deal with it. And then he'll go, oh, okay. Do you know what he doesn't respond to? <sighs> Fine. Like He's not looking for subtle nuances and tone. In his mind, it's like, you're emotional, you're up and down very easily, you get really excited about things, and then you get really sad, and then you cry at commercials. It's like, you know, <laughs> I, I just, in his mind, it's like, you're just emotionally all over the place, and I kind of can't pay it any mind, because you go from left to right to left to right to left to right, and I just can't keep up with it. So, as long as it averages out somewhere good, then I guess we're good. I don't know how to deal with this. And so, they're not looking for those subtle little nuances of tone and demeanor and how you're texting. Whenever we say we're fine, we just want you to come after us. Okay, that's, that's, that's wrong. It's like saying, when I said stop, that meant go. It's like, I promise, if you keep telling men that, they're going to keep being confused, and they're not going to get it. So learn to speak blue if you want them to hear you. 
Okay, so that's, that's that's we haven't talked about it yet. Okay, well, I'm sure if they're listening to this, they probably are aware of the Love and Respect book. So, that's number one, is women think that their subtle signs are obvious, and they're super, super, super not obvious. It's like speaking sign language to a blind person. He's just They're just not equipped to be able to detect that. And so, and then the woman thinks, I don't want to say it's arrogant, I want to say it's ignorant. Because arrogance would say, because I, I hear a lot of women say, well, he should know. And that's the worst line. As soon as you hear a woman say, he should know, the ship is sinking. The ship is, <laughs> and it doesn't matter who the he is. It doesn't matter if the he is Harvey Weinstein or Jesus Christ. Like, it, it doesn't matter who the he is. She's talking about the he should know means that she's signaling in a female way something that females understand intrinsically and guys don't. And it's just, you're, you're done at that point. And so... Um, I believe that very strongly. And then the other thing is, I think that for women can run through a thousand scenarios in their head and associate emotion and they'll, they'll run down these rabbit trails of like, well, if this happens and that means this, and if he said that, then that means this. I mean, you've confessed this to me where you've thought all kinds of bad thoughts where you just take a, you just take a compilation of negative things that I've said or things that scare you or worry you and you put them together in such a way to make a story that paints me in the worst possible light and you believe it and you freak yourself out. And I do that too with you a little bit. But I think that women do that a lot more when their guys aren't around. They're not aware of the system of thought. If the woman, now, if the woman comes to that place where she's like, well, you said this and then you said that and then you said this and then you said that and and that makes me think you're like this and I don't think it's going to work out. If she came to him and said, listen, I don't think we're going to work out. Let me tell you why. Tell me if I'm misunderstanding something. They don't, a lot of times I feel like they don't come to the man saying, I'm concerned about this thing. Help me, help me. Am I misunderstanding something? And it's at that point, I find a lot of times it's like the freak out is at like nine and they're not at a point, at a point where they're stopping to check themselves and to say, maybe I missed something here. Maybe I'm not fairly evaluating him. And I, and that's Mm -hmm. the the same thing where they think, well, how could he say this? How could he mean this? Obviously this, that, and the other, whatever women says, obviously this that's another thing. That's basically the same thing as saying he should know. And it's like, no, no, he would know if he was a woman, but he isn't. And so they don't operate with the same software. So women can, you know, you're, you're talking at each other. You're talking past each other at that point, And you're not engaging with that person's real soul. And also in just the normal corrupt nature of humans is that the woman or the man can assume ill intent and ascribe ill intent to something that was purely a legitimate mistake or an accident or misunderstanding. And so that when the woman does that, then she has a lot of ammunition against him and been building a case against him of why it's not going to work out. And then she's present, she's, she has this ironclad case in her mind. It's so rock solid. You could never argue way out of it. Then in her mind at that point, then she's shut down emotionally because she, in her mind, she's already ran the trial many times in her head and he put him on trial and, and imagined him defending himself in the worst possible way. And then in her mind, she's she's not breaking up with the real guy. She's breaking up with the version of him she's afraid that he is. Or that she perhaps has created in her mind to build up resentment towards. And so that's when the guy goes, well, I you- would recommend in that moment of frustration when maybe the girlfriend or wife is saying, I'm fine, and walks away and they're in that moment of frustration to write it down exactly what you're feeling because I feel like a lot of times, at least for me, I'll be frustrated and 
down and not feeling good about myself or our relationship or you or whatever and I don't write anything down and then maybe the next day or even later that day I feel fine again because I'm not sitting in that place the whole time or the whole day or drowning in it you know but it doesn't mean that it's not there and that it doesn't need to get talked about but it's almost like I forget about it until you trigger the trigger me by and saying, then it's double right by saying whatever the next thing that you say that that reminds me of oh yeah yesterday you were this right, th or is this advice advice to women to write this down yeah okay because because I feel like I've had because I thought well if men aren't studying women enough well then they should just check in and be like hey how's how are things going da, da, da. but then I think about when you've done that with me 10,000 times ask you how you're doing well you ask me how I'm doing or you say how can I be a better husband and my mind's blank because in the moment that you're asking me <laughs> number one I'm surprised wow he's being really thoughtful and asking me this he's so great but then I'm forgetting the eight <laughs> other things that I was upset about two weeks ago or whatever. And Makes me feel like a real winner. And then I get really blindsided and shocked when I hear all this negative stuff. I'm like, you said, I, I asked you the most vulnerable question I could possibly ask you the other day. And you had nothing negative to say. Where's all this coming from? It's very confusing. It's very confusing. So I just thought for myself, and if anybody else feels that way, frustrated because... They know there's things going on inside, but they don't necessarily get them out in the appropriate time or when their husband asks them or their boyfriend, whatever. And, but if I had a list to go to or I had a journal entry that I could point to of, hey, two weeks ago when I blew up at you or you blew up at me or whatever happened and this is how I was feeling and let's talk about it, then we'd have a much better starting point to talk through rather than me just being like I don't know you're great or everything's fine because mm. I'm not feeling it in the moment so, so that's just something that I just thought of that would be helpful for me and then anybody else that's out there thinking you know well, why doesn't my husband just ask me or my husband does ask me but I don't know what to say so you're encouraging women to be more proactive and intentional about working out their feelings and getting them on paper so that way they can just work out what they're actually thinking and feeling rather than being so in the moment. Yeah, not even having a pressure of, okay, you got to work this out on paper, but just mm -hmm. get it out of your head on mm -hmm. paper with a date on it to at least... Will you do that from now on? I'm going to work on it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. But get it out on paper with a date on it to at least have a reference point and something that after things have died down and, you know, you're both coming together at a calmer state, then you have this list or this paragraph or journal entry, whatever it is, to look at and say, hey, this is how I was feeling, what you said here really hurt my feelings, you know, the other last weekend or whatever, when you and I had that fight and you had, and you had to leave to go to your race thing. And I was just like, <laughs> that's a perfect way to describe it. Yeah. 
And that, that set me up to not be in the best place. Right, and I didn't write things down. Granted, I took time to go and pray, which is also good. But I think if I had also written things down of exactly how I had been feeling, I may have been more prepared to have a deeper conversation about it later instead of just feeling, you know, letting the time pass and then the time kind of took the emotion away and it kind of made me level out. But there was probably still stuff that was undealt with. So here's here's my last thought on that. Um, and this goes for both. So women, what you need to ask yourself is how do men deal with conflict? And you ask yourself, how do they deal with conflict with one another? And here's the answer. There are three ways. You ready? Write this down. Um, the way number one, which is most common that men deal with conflict, uh, is let's say, I don't like Bob. Bob's a dude I work with, or he's at my church, or he's a neighbor, or he's at my school, or whatever. If I don't like Bob, do you know what I do? I avoid Bob. I don't talk to him. I don't joke with him. I don't eat lunch next to him. I avoid contact. I, I try to minimize... What? I try to minimize... I can't see your, your joke, Sydney. I, I can't. You, you can't even read you can't, my lips. You can't whisper things to me while I'm, while I'm recording a podcast. I'm trying to word my lips and move my lips and get you to read my lips. Okay, well... That doesn't work while we're recording a podcast. So, uh, anyway, I don't like Bob, and I'm going to just avoid him. That's what guys do. If I don't think, And you'll hear him privately say, like, ah, oh, what do you think about someone? Oh, I hate that guy. And that's what guys will say, oh, I just don't like him. And then you'll, you'll, uh, you'll see when they're in a crowd, when Bob rolls up, the guy goes, oh, yeah, whatever. And he gets quiet, or he just stops talking, or he just move, moves away. And guys mm -hmm. just don't want to be around that guy, period. That's it. When you got a problem with a guy. Way number two that guys deal with guys. This is more true for younger guys and for immature guys. You punch him in the face if you don't like a guy. If you've got, you got a real big problem with the guy, you walk up to him and you punch him in the face. Maybe there's some yelling and some name calling going on, but you walk up to his face and you punch him in his face. By the way, that's why you should never get in a guy's face when you have a problem with him because what you're, what you're signaling to him subconsciously is, oh, it's time for violence now. Okay. And you don't want to put a guy in that spot mentally when he's looking at a female. It puts him in a bad spot. Um, way number three that guys deal with conflict with another guy is you walk up to a guy and if you respect him, if you respect him and you value the relationship and you value the friendship and you want it and you want to work it out, you say, look, dude, what the hell? And it starts, starts with something on, on that line. Like, what, what did you do? What was that for? And it's very confrontational. It's intense, but it's, but it's, serious and saying, why did you do that? Why did you say that? Why did you take that thing? Why did you leave early? Why did you do this? And you get in his face a little bit, not too, not too aggressively. You keep your distance a little bit, but, um, proximity is big. If you get close to his face, that means I'm going to swing. And I'm going to hit you. If you maintain a body posture that doesn't suggest violence, like if you're sitting down or not quite directly facing each other, but the guy will tell you very, very firmly what you did was wrong. And I'm not okay with it. And you speak very clearly, very firmly. And then that guy's either going to say, well, F you, you don't understand. Or that guy's going to say, all right, man, I didn't know. Sorry. Or some, or they're going to talk about it and whatever. So those are the three ways men deal with conflict. When women, when women I see in the scenario you're describing, have an issue with a guy, oftentimes they don't do any of those things. Or I have seen women 
some women, I guess Italian women, they'll get in the guy's face and start screaming. And then the guy's in his, in his mind is thinking, oh no, she's trying to have a fist fight right now. And I can't punch her back, but if she's going to hit me, what do I do? And so there, there's that mistake. And the other mistake that's common is they won't just tell a guy to his face because the guy's waiting for you to tell him to his face, hey, what you did really hurt my feelings. That was wrong. And we need to deal with this. And the guy, usually if he loves you and he cares about you and he's a halfway decent guy, he's going to go, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Um, let's talk about it. And maybe he won't own it. Maybe he won't take responsibility for it, but he'll talk, but he'll try to work it out. Um, and so that's what he's and waiting for you to do. doesn't do that. Doesn't do what? Doesn't try to work it out or doesn't talk about well, it. Then he doesn't then you, love you. You handle it. Yeah, you handle it in, in a situation. Like you say, hey, I thought what you did was inappropriate. And he says, no, it's not inappropriate. Well, that's a discussion you have to have about your your different values or your right, different expectations. Right, if he keeps watching TV or he keeps ignoring or he keeps... <sighs> then you probably got him to a point to where he's shut down emotionally because you've nagged him, nagged him to death. And the only way you can get him out of that is to bless him out of it. you got to love him to death. And if he's your husband, you make him his favorite meal without being asked. You cook the, you clean the house, above, go above and beyond in that thing. You offer him... In that thing. You go above and beyond in that thing. <laughs> Sorry, it didn't come out right. Whatever it is. Maybe he's like, he just will die over getting his head rubbed and you rub his scalp for 15 minutes. You rub his back or you rub his feet. Or the almighty blowjob really does cure quite a lot. I'm telling you, ladies, it really, really is magic. It's like, whenever you thought to yourself, man, I wish I was a superhero. You kind of are, okay? You are. Unfortunately, your power only works on one person, but I promise you, oh it's God. literally like the Thanos glove. You can, you can literally do that, and it's like Thanos snapping, and you can change reality. You really can. It's like the reality stone. It's a little bit more work. but Blowjob reality stone? Absolutely. Got it. That's how you get a guy out of being zoned out, and he's just not aware. Because when a, when a woman is loving him that well... He just feels compelled to want to reciprocate. If he's just not listening to you, you you've nagged him to death. So anyway, to finish my thought, I got a track here. It was that if you he he's waiting if he's expecting that if you have a problem, you're going to confront him the same way he would confront anybody else, which is either violence, ignoring, completely outright, no sort of kind of nice, but sort of kind of ignoring. It's like all or nothing, or you're, he's expecting you to get in his face and. So to kind of get in his face and say, we have a problem, we need to talk about it. And he's ready to respond to all of those things. That's what he's waiting to hear from you. He's not looking for a fourth option that he's never heard of or that he would never think to do himself. So that's what how I know that men deal with conflict. I can speak to that more. I can't... How women deal with conflict, I feel, is a very convoluted, especially amongst each other. It's very convoluted. It's very complicated. It's multi-layered. It's, it's complex. It stresses me out. I don't even want to be in the room. I almost don't even want to talk about it because... The way that women deal with each other seems just crazy and complex and brutal. It's like Alex Jones talking about talking about uh, making the frogs gay. Like it's just so. What? I just can't keep up when Alex Jones starts rambling about all of the crazy theories. I just can't keep up. It's too much. So I don't know how to give. So Alex Jones is a woman. Is I don't know how saying? to give. Uh, that'd be another conspiracy theory. <laughs> uh, no. Anyways, I I don't know how to give men advice to say. Oh, this is what she really means. I mean. In a couple scenarios, I could say, eh, I have a feeling your wife probably meant that, but I don't have nearly as good of a, of a handle on how, how to interpret women, what, what they're expecting from men. I mean, from what I've heard, it's not good, which is that women are expecting men to study them, you know, and walk around with a magnif you know, like in the cartoons with a magnifying glass, watching every subtle little thing and being able to properly interpret 
all of our little emotional things, but men always say the same thing, which is, I don't get it. One minute it's like this and like I do this one thing and she thinks it's funny and then I do it again the next day and then she hates it and thinks it's the stupidest thing ever. And men feel like the rules are always changing with women and so men like to play games. It's because we're a surprise yeah, well, around every corner. Surprise, there's a downside to that. Surprise, uh, men get worn out. Surprise, uh, we can get really over it. And so men are like, look, I, they want to do well. They want to do the right thing. They want to make you happy. They want to bless you. And they want to win at the game. But if you, you keep they changing the like rules, but if you keep changing the rules, eventually the guys will say, this game is rigged. It's not fair. I don't want to play anymore. And that's when they stop studying. And that's when they stop trying to learn about their wife. And so what a woman can do to bring him back into that and re-engage with it is like I said, you can bring him back by loving him and blessing him with no strings attached, no whiny, naggy tone, kindness, softness, gentleness towards him. And you can re-engage him to make him want to get back involved with the game. And if you're going to change the rules on the game, you got to set, you got to call a timeout and you have to explain to him why the rules are changing. That's the best I got. Is that helpful? Mm-hmm. Is there a bunch of women you're thinking about right now that need to hear that? No. I don't okay. Know. I don't know. Yes, you do. What? I'm just thinking of... Well, I shouldn't name any names, but we'll talk about it off air. <clears throat> okay, it turns out you're thinking of, <laughs> of women that need to hear I am. Not me. I totally am. But uh, there's guys... Who, uh, I, they can think of twi- twice as many guys who need to hear it as well. But guys don't listen to podcasts about relationships, so they never will. Unless yeah. their wife introduces it to them. But she has to do it in a way. Okay, let's put this out there. Wives, if you want your husband to listen to the Millennial Marriage Podcast or read some book or go to some seminar or do something. Or do something. Something, some relationship thing. This is a common landmine that you have to kind of find a way to avoid. Here's how you do it. Here's the right way and the wrong way. The wrong way is we need to do this. This is really important to me, blah, blah, blah. And coming at him with a sense of urgency to say you're putting him in a position where he's on trial and uh, he's been found guilty and now he needs to go and do his community service or pay his his, his penalty uh-huh. and that's how you make it feel and you put a bad taste in his mouth and it makes him feel like he's failing because when you say we need to fix this that what you're saying to him is it's broken and you failed and, I need, and you need to fix it like you need to be fixed that's what he hears it's if the you, catholic version uh okay uh, that's yeah I, I guess um the way that you can get him to be excited about it is babe i love you I know things aren't perfect. I want to. I want us to get better at this. And you probably put at least fifty-one percent of it on you and saying, "Honey, I want to be a better. I want to be a better girlfriend, fiance, wife. I want to work on this stuff. I found it really helpful. Some stuff helped me recognize some areas where I need to work on. I would love it if you listen to this because I. I'd like to talk about it and to work. You know, have our relationship be as good as it can be, because I want to love you really well. But I need to understand you and some things I just don't know how to tell you. And they talk. <sighs> Beautiful. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's what it is. And and if you come to your to your significant other saying, "I really," and this is dealing with back to the actual topic here, which is uprooting and getting the foxes out of the garden. The way to approach this is not to say, "You're doing all these things wrong." Like, do not approach with conflict, and you cannot approach him like he's the enemy. You have to approach him. Well, I feel like typically the quickest way that our conflicts are resolved or or things are 
taken back down to a reasonable level is one of us apologizes, you know, and that uh, kind of yeah. diffuses the situation when one of us is asking for forgiveness because that puts that puts the person asking for forgiveness in a vulnerable state of, hey, I'm recognizing that mm -hmm. something that I've done wasn't right or or I've offended you in some way or I'm acknowledging that something's not right, not cool, and I'm and I'm going to be the person to put myself out there, risk getting hurt, risk getting a no from you. Mm -hmm. But typically, I've noticed when I apologize or when you apologize, the offended person, it diffuses pretty quickly. And you're able to have a lot more compassion for the person because they're not defending what they did or they're not trying to act like they were right or prove to you something that your feelings aren't valid or whatever. Absolutely. Um, and you just, you just got to swallow your pride. Like there's no two ways about it. If you're that person who's saying who can't stop ferociously trying to convict that person for a life sentence of your resentment against them, you got to just drop it. There's, I'm sorry, there's no other way around it. You have to drop it. You have to get over yourself. You have to choose to release it in your mind. And if you have a problem with that, then you have a major problem with forgiveness. And you are going to destroy your marriage or relationship. And if you can't get to the point where you can look at God and say, you know who's right deep down. You know my heart. You know my intentions. And just be willing to just bite your tongue and eat it and say, I'm sorry. With no expectation of them to, to apologize also. You never say, I'm sorry. And do you have something to say for yourself? No, no, no. You have to come to their spouse and say, right. or I'm I sorry, but no, no, I'm sorry, but, or I'm sorry that I offended you. Oh, that's such horse shit. I'm so sick of that. Not, I'm sorry. Not that that's from I'm you. I'm so sorry not that, that that's from you. you were offended. Oh, I know. That's the most garbage non-apology. That's actually extremely condescending. We could probably do a whole another podcast on just on non-apologies. <laughs> yeah. Saying, um, saying that stuff is, will ruin an opportunity for reconciliation. It has to be and no... And I think it's a good... It's a good litmus test to look at yourself and just ask, when was the last time that I asked forgiveness of somebody? Yeah. Because if it's been a long time, then chances are... You got a problem. Something's like going a on there. You got a problem. If there... It, it, an apology can not... Cannot have a justification, a rationalization, or an explanation... Not even one percent, not even a fraction of a hair of justi justification, explanation, rationalization. If you come right. to your spouse, let's just say, ladies, if you come to your husband and say, I want you to listen to this podcast, I want you to go read this book, I want you to go to the seminar, there cannot be, and it, you have to come to him and say, This maybe it's mostly my fault, maybe I need to work on communication, maybe I need to work on my temper, maybe I need to work on trusting you whatever. You need to only focus on the things that you recognize are, are wrong and that need to be better. And immediately he's going to be so humbled and so honored if he's a decent guy that he's going to think, wow, wow, my gosh, I'm so impressed by her. And then he's going to, and then, you know, a little while later, he's going to think, okay, maybe, maybe what do I need to work on? And even if he's not thinking that, if he's, if he's prideful enough or ignorant enough to think that it, the problems are all you, well, don't worry. He'll listen to this for a little while and he'll start having a few aha moments or he'll right. read the books or do whatever. So you have to get to a place to where you can fully die to your own pride and you can completely wave the white flag on winning these fights of resentment that you have against your spouse. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the way to 
immediately just drive an arrow into the heart of what these foxes are and to just eliminate them on the spot. Um, so do you think that there is... As far as questions to ask your spouse or questions to ask yourself to find what these foxes are mm -hmm. and to identify them and what questions to maybe ask yourself or your spouse to keep them out of the garden or the vineyard. Well, I, I thought that coming to you and saying, how am I doing as a husband was the most risky thing I could possibly do to really put it all out there. And it seems like every time you tell me, great. And I'm like, really? That easy? And so I thought that was the way. Apparently it's not. So maybe, I don't know, but, um, um, I think it is the way if I've been writing things down. Okay, well, <laughs> there you go. If you asked me how you're doing as a wife, I'd have a very, well, I'd have a very detailed evaluation, both on the positive and on the... I'm scared to ask and, you. I know, that's why you never do. <laughs> uh, but don't worry, the list is waiting. And so... Uh, the list is waiting. <laughs> Perfect. The evaluation. Um, whatever. And so... I think that probably... That would actually probably be smart. What? Doing like a six-month evaluation. No. I don't know. You have that's a really fine line because that can turn into a really un unfun legalism, performance-based legalism. And when you feel like your marriage is performance-based, that's just the beginning of the end. Okay, so maybe not. Maybe not exactly that, but I'm I'm more I'm not susceptible to legalism i'm susceptible to license so i feel like i can do that and not internalize it as a value um right but anyway what so here's a question to ask yourself when is the last time i look somebody in the eye and without any justification explanation rationalization or clarification i looked at them and said that thing that i did was wrong it was unfair it was unkind i am sorry will you forgive me ask yourself that question when's the last time those words came out of your mouth at work or, I mean, obviously in this case, it's with your spouse. And if, any relationship. if it's been over a year, there's a problem. Well, Cause I promise, I promise in the last 12 months, you've done something that's not okay to your spouse. I promise. Or you're Jesus and you're married Jesus. I don't know, <laughs> but you're probably not Jesus. If you're listening to this podcast, you're yeah, probably not probably Jesus. Not Jesus. Um, I promise you've done something that warrants a legitimate apology and if you haven't sought it out, then you are definitely at least part of the problem. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's huge. That means you need a lot of digging your soul to do. And so then once you come to that realization that it's been that long since you've had a real moment where you're like, dude, I blew it. I need grace. I need the cross. I need forgiveness. I don't deserve it. I'm asking for something I don't deserve. If you haven't had come to that moment with your spouse anytime recently, then the next question is to you, you do, which is much, much harder. You have to have a time with your spouse where you look at your spouse in the eye and you say, please tell me what I need to work on in my life to be a better spouse to you or to be a better Christian or to be a better person. What would you like for me to see better? And you have to swear on your life. You have to swear that you will not argue one thing that comes out of their mouth. You are not allowed to argue it for one month 
you'll write down everything they say and you'll pray over it and you'll meditate on it and you'll think about it and you'll do a little word study in the Bible about these things and you'll ask your pastor and you'll ask your friends and for one month you are not allowed to defend, to explain, to justify, to rationalize, to clarify. You cannot, you just say thank you for your feedback. That's actually something I learned at Rapport. You have to just say Thank you for your feedback. And if you're boiling inside, that means you have a major pride issue. If you're feeling like you're going to crawl, you're going to burst out of your skin and wanting to defend yourself, you have a major image issue, like an idolatry of your own image. And that's revealing that the Lord needs to really clean up your soul and deal with your soul because you have, you're worshiping a false idol and it's, and it's rooted deeply in messing up your, your life. And you probably, I don't know, I shouldn't, I almost said something really mean, but um, I'll just say that. Yeah, I mean, I think that when, like, that would be really hard for me because I'm so performance-based and I can take things, even though you don't mean it, in a way that is against who I am or attacking my character, but in so much my works is tied to my character, who I am, and the a lot of ways that I think, so then I get really easily offended when my work is criticized or my and it's just that you know my priorities might be out of whack I might be focusing on the wrong work not that I'm not doing that work well but the work that I'm doing you might not even care about that work and yeah I think that you do and so I'm working on it and then when it's not acknowledged or it's or there's other things that are criticized and I'm like well, what the hell? I just spent all this time doing da 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 and whatever. And then I don't feel appreciated and so I think I think that's good advice just to be able to say and I think two spouses when when you need to recognize that when your spouse is coming to you with that question that it is a very vulnerable question and that's not totally. giving you permission totally. to just unleash Oh yes like a tsunami of insanity super or good point super good yelling point. or things like that i think that in the same way it's kind of how we've talked about when a man asks for sex or has mm-hmm. comes to a spouse saying hey i really need this tonight and the and the wife is like no or i don't feel good or you don't even care da, 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 whatever right. and just totally so she might as well just cut his penis off shuts down and in the woman's mind you know she's just thinking god i just don't feel anything like but it comes out so disrespectful and ugly that it tears down the husband and then he doesn't want to ask again so wives if you want your husband to ask how you're feeling and to like want to work on the marriage you have to be willing to treat that with a high level of respect and treat your husband with dignity and give him that give him that sense of safety that he feels like you're not just going to tear him a new one anytime he's vulnerable totally totally by the way did you feel bad when i turned you down last night oh uh, yeah really yeah i'm sorry you forgive me I'll fist bump you. Okay, that's not what I asked for. I'm sorry, babe. Yeah. You know I want to do it. I know you usually want to do it. That's why I was surprised. The spirit was willing. You're so tired. The spirit was willing. 
the flesh. The flesh was absolutely not going to wake up. <laughs> couldn't the house could have been on fire and I wouldn't have been able to get out of bed. Cool. Well, I'll die. <laughs> I probably would. Um, but um, anyway, that's such a good counterpoint I didn't think about, which is you can't be saving up all of your you can't be saving up all of your anger and frustration and resentment, this is true for male or female, for that moment when they finally do say, okay, let me have it. You have to operate with a scalpel. So one thing, <clears throat> there's some people in my life that make me really think about this a lot. When you are bringing a wrongdoing to another person, when you're bringing it up to them, and you're communicating your dissatisfaction or sadness or anger or whatever, you need to make peace with the fact that they will never, they'll probably never fully understand the depth of the pain that they caused you. They can be the most loving spouse you could ever ask for, and they're never quite going to get 100%. They're never going to get it because they didn't feel it. And if you're a male, he's a female. Or I'm sorry, whatever. If you're a male, she's a female, or vice versa. And so uh, just on that level alone, they'll never fully understand what that experience is like. And you need to be okay with them apologizing for the aspects that they can understand. You cannot keep driving it home and redigging up the point or explaining it seven times over and over again until you feel satisfied that they understand how bad they hurt you because then you're trying to ensure that they get all of their lashes they cannot get away with 39 lashes they must have all 40 and that is chasing after retribution that's not applying grace grace is saying here's an example um Sydney, you said this thing about me that really embarrassed me in front of our friends the other day. It was really humiliating. And her going, really? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't think about that. Or, yeah, I, I guess you're right. That was wrong. Will you forgive me? What I want to say is, no, you don't understand. This isn't an, oh, I'm sorry. I was wrong. Do you, can you forgive me? This is huge. This is devastating. This ripped my heart out. This made me so angry towards you. This made me so humiliating. This made me regret marrying you. That's what I want to say in the moment, and I want to come back and, and to yeah. keep and to keep slamming against her until and like you know emotionally slamming her head against a rock until I feel like she finally gets the level of pain that I'm experiencing. And of course, knowing me because I'm never going to be I'm never going to be honest or I'm never going to be fair. I'm going to make sure it's an extra ten percent on top of that. And that's what I want to say and I want to do in the moment. But I know she can't get there. I know it's unhealthy for me to keep going back to the pain because when you're seeking that level of retribution, the truth is the grace that covered you on the cross means that your level of recognizing your need for Jesus is very small in comparison to your actual need for Jesus. And God makes peace with that and he's okay with that and he chooses to love you in, a, in that kind of a relationship. And so because he doesn't make you fully feel every, bleed every ounce of the pain in embarrassment and humiliation that you should feel for having to have had Jesus die for you. He says, what you understand is good. And as you grow, you'll understand a little bit more, but I'm not going to rush that process. And you're probably never going to get all of it. Maybe when you die, you'll have a better understanding, mm -hmm. but you need to have that kind of relationship with your spouse. When you say, honey, what you did really humiliated me. And she'll say, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And you have to be able to say, she doesn't understand 
what she's asking for forgiveness for. She doesn't understand the gra- that this she's thinking of this as a three and it's and it's an eleven, mm-hmm. or it's a nine or whatever. And I have to be okay with the fact that my wife is willing to have the heart to apologize and recognize that she did wrong. And if I have the attitude that is when I'm bringing all of these wrongdoings to her, well, you did this and you did that and you work on this. You, you, that's not helpful. That's, that's retaliatory. What's helpful is giving them the information in a portion that they can use. You can't drop everything on them at once and every incident they've ever done wrong because you'll overwhelm them and you'll crush them and they'll never be able to get up underneath the weight of that. Right. You have to give them themes and you have to give them maybe one or two examples, not 50 examples. And you have to give them themes of like, these are some themes in your life I wish were different. So what, what is that face? I'm not actually talking about at you specifically. I'm just giving, I'm just. No, I'm just saying, I'm just smiling because I'm like, wow, this is a really good podcast and it's helping my marriage so much. (laughs) Sweet. (laughs) And it's it's us just talking about it. So I'm just like laughing because I'm like, wow, that is so true. What a great analogy. I had some really weird, I had a really weird incident happen recently. I can't really get into to protect the guilty and the innocent. Well, we should wrap this up. I know, I know, I know. But that's kind of what's got me on this kick about dealing with conflict and what would be a better situation for people to deal with conflict. So, um, I don't know. I feel like at some point I left something unbuttoned in there, but we're just going to move on because uh, we're all a little, I don't want to say all over the place, but we're just going far down these rabbit trails. Um, I think that's a good point to just leave on the, mm-hmm. what you just said about about grace and... And just the, you know, your, when your spouse is apologizing and how, yeah, they're never going to fully understand, but how, just how God gives us that grace to not fully understand our need for Christ, Mm -hmm. but he still gives us Jesus and he still died for us. And we're never going to fully understand that need, just how you're never going to fully understand the needs of your spouse the desires of your spouse, the Mm -hmm. depths of sorrow that your spouse has gone through, the depths of hurt that they have endured at the hands of others, at the hands of their, at the hands of you, their spouse, you know, but that's kind of what marriage is about is seeking out and getting to know your spouse to that level as close as you can get Mm -hmm. to understanding those levels of hurt and walking through it with them and to taking ownership for your part that you're playing in their life and in their hurts and their joys and their suffering. I mean, I think that the Bible is clear about rejoicing with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep and to just share in the emotions of others, whether it's your spouse or other relationships, it doesn't really matter. God calls us to loving people and I think loving people is a lot of times relating to people on that level and being able to connect with people especially your spouse on that level I think your spouse is the most intimate relationship that we're going to have on earth to be able to do that with so oh now I remember the thought I wanted to kind of close out on although we didn't talk about discerning the difference between being spiritually attacked versus just being mad. I, mean, I think that could be a whole nother podcast. I don't know about a whole nother podcast. Maybe we can roll it into something else. 
I'll just say. I think they've, I'll say I think really they've quick. endured enough. There's like 18 points that we made. In no, here they're gonna eat this up. They're amazing. gonna love it. They're gonna love this. It's so good. They're gonna be like, oh, can there be a second episode of this? Um, uh, I'll, I'll just I'll just give like a 30 second thing on the spiritual warfare thing because I think it's important. It has been in our life. We've dealt with a ton of spiritual warfare just trying to do this podcast, which probably means hopefully it means it's gonna be good. Uh-huh. Uh, maybe someday, once I put in some sound deadening foam in this room so it doesn't echo, but. You have to, I encourage everybody to become spiritually mature enough to discern when they're being spiritually attacked. And as we know, the enemy hates marriage, right? Because, because it's, it's a really important thing that the Lord has given us to understand him better and to raise families and, and to spread the gospel and you know everything. So recognize when your system of thinking is demonic. I had this happen to me the other day and I was really, really harsh Maybe not harsh, but I was really not happy with Sydney, and it made her feel really bad. Um, because earlier that week, the enemy was was building a case against her in my mind, and I know when the enemy's putting these thoughts in because it's like it's like copy paste of all the worst aspects of her or the things that annoy me so much, and then drag and drop them into a big compilation file, and then zooming in on all the failures, and not even considering the parts that I like. And just making me focus and it just repeats and repeats and repeats and repeats over in my mind to where I, I become this case where my wife is such an irredeemable person. That's like, yeah, maybe, maybe divorce is the most practical option. And then I have these thoughts coming through my mind. But I know how I think. I know how I process information. And it's not like that. I, I'm not the kind of person to get worked up into this cyclone of freak out. I'm a pretty reserved person. So when I recognize that my thinking is, is not natural and organic to me that I need it's my responsibility which I didn't do which I'm sorry for but it's my responsibility to fight that spiritually and to say no no these thoughts are not from me they're not from the Lord they're from the enemy and they're trying to tear us down mm-hmm. um, so that's all I'll say about that I think we've, we've covered everything else to help them kind of fill in the gaps there uh, also do we have an email that people could email for feedback or questions no we have our Instagram yeah okay reach out to us on Instagram or find us on Facebook if you have any feedback, we'd love to know what you think about this podcast and um, questions you have, things you would like to follow up on or maybe expand on. And the last the last thought we're going to leave you with and then we're going to be done is remember the verse that I read to you at the beginning of this. And so I'm not going to reread it because you heard what you needed to hear, but go through chapter one and chapter two of Song of Solomon and what you recognize in this verse is these are two lovers serenading each other. This is like this is like that moment in The Bachelor where they kind of have that that they turn into a commercial where you can see the couples just so in love and oh you're so pretty. No, you're so pretty. Oh no. Like, like all oh, the best parts. Yeah, of yeah, the yeah, day. yeah. This is that's what that's like for these two couples, for these two people in this <laughs> two couples. <laughs> no, no. Two no. people in that's a another, couple another podcast. relationship. Um they're she said to him earlier, I mean, I mean, he's, he's doing all these freaky, sexy things with her. She's totally just like reciprocating and being a total freak with him, of course, is within the comfort of their marriage. And, you know, she's, she says while they're in a positive state, while they're having a positive expression of love with one another, that's open and it's vulnerable and it's kind and gentle, in bloom. right? Everything's in bloom. And she says, make sure, sh- like, keep going after these foxes, baby. 
Like, go, go chase the foxes. Keep them out of our garden. Like, I'm counting on you to tend to our garden. I'm counting on you to protect us. It's not, I'm counting on you, you know, standing there in the kitchen, you know, with the rubber gloves on, with your hand, with your fists on your hips. It's... You never listen to me about yeah. chasing those damn foxes. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the best way to make sure he never does it. But then in the example that we see in scripture is that she is so wise in the effectiveness of her, her invitation to her husband to be the one to protect their, their marriage and to keep working on their marriage and to keep leading her in that process. She's, she's expressing this as something where she's saying, because the, the subtext of that is, I love you so much. I love your body. I love your soul. I love your spirit. I love your mind. I, I love being intimate with you. Don't let this get, don't, let's not lose this. Let's keep, let's keep this going. Let's keep protecting it. Let's keep working on it. Let's keep tending to it. So even in that moment, she's recognizing that this is something to be worked for and to be worked on and to be maintained mm-hmm. uh, like a garden, um, rather than just, you know, some kind of peak euphoria happiness where she's just arrived and now everything's going to be, you know, happily ever after effortlessly. So that's my encouragement, both to the males and the females, when, if, and when you're going to have this conversation with a significant other, um, do it in such the way that it could never be confused for anything other than an invitation to further your love and your relationship and your desire to be, to be, to know and to be known by in your excitement excitement to maintain this most beautiful precious thing um and make sure your spouse your significant other is receiving that Mm -hmm. i think this is our best podcast yet what do you think that's got to be right closing thoughts i think that it's funny that you're saying that guys don't understand nuances of tone, but then when it comes to the tone of nagging, immediately, oh, we, oh yes, they detect that tone very well. It's a do- It's like a whistle for dogs. It makes them upset. Yeah. Instantly. So, I think that just being a woman and knowing that that tone is so hard to not take and to not have immediately just come out of your mouth in a moment of emotion Hmm. and frustration and and I just think that it's very natural so I I just want to encourage people to try the best you can to take a step back and to take a deep breath and to come at it in the way that Mike was saying you know in a very relaxed and trying to put it back on you first to take ownership where you can take ownership and that and that's really what what God does with us is he doesn't he doesn't coerce he doesn't trick us into doing things he doesn't nag us into doing the right things into living by his ways and what he would like to see in us you know he motivates through love and through compassion and through grace and through giving and I think that that's wives and husbands we can all take that as a lesson to learn to apply to our marriages is the best motivation is positive that's scientifically proven that Mm -hmm. positive reinforcement works better than negative reinforcement and punishment 
So don't punish your spouse for doing the wrong things, for not treating you right, for not listening to you, for not doing what they've been asked to do or contributing to your household or helping you with the kids or whatever it is that you're saying in your mind trying to justify why you're upset and don't motivate by reminding them of everything they do wrong <laughs> or punishing them by withholding sex or not, you know, knowing that they, whatever their love language is and knowing that it's so important to them and using that against them to punish them. That's really cruel and that's really unfair for them. So I would just encourage you to, to motivate your spouse through positive reinforcement and coming to them in, in that respectful way, just taking a deep breath to be able to calm down and try to ask yourself those questions that we talked about in order to come to a place where you can address the situation in a respectful way without that nagging tone because that when you're emotional it's just so easy to go there amen bye guys we love you we love you